every time that the Fed has taken an action, you know, raised rates, he literally is telling us beforehand, like, what, what he's doing. So, I, again, this entire time that they've been raising rates, you know, we've been expecting it. Um, they said it, they, they were raising rates by three quarters. They did that all through last year. And then uh, to start the year, they raised it by 0.5%, right, the interest rate. And then they said they're going to raise it by 0.25% now. So they're slowly decreasing the rate. Um, and we've known this for like a year. Yeah. Because they have a, the Fed publishes a dot plot and it shows you exactly what they're going to do. So I don't know. I don't know why people are making such a big deal about it when they actually raise rates because we already know it's coming. Yeah. So well, to me, I feel like it should be priced into the market, but it's obviously not. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Angel Research Podcast. We are here as usual to discuss the market's hottest stock stories and investment opportunities. We've got Alex Bolton with us today. Uh, Alex is the uh, the founder of uh, an investment newsletter called Insider Stakeout. Uh, why don't you uh, Why don't you tell us what uh, what Insider Stakeout is? Maybe give us some background about yourself, Alex, so I don't have to you know put any put any words in your mouth or anything like that. Yeah, sure. So Insider Stakeout. Um follows insider legal insider trading um, in the stock market, which happens all the time. And I guess I just wanted to start off by setting the theme. Um, I've been reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, by Robert Kiyosaki, and he has a pretty good quote in here um, that pertains to insider trading. He says, it's all insider trading. There are forms of insider trading that are illegal, but there are forms of insider trading that are legal. But either way, it's insider trading. The only distinction is how far from the inside are, or how far away from the inside are you? The reason you want to have rich friends is because that is where the money is made. It's made on information. So, I think that kind of highlights the theme of insider trading in the market. Um, you're looking for information that you don't really have access to. And the only way that we have access to that information is through Form 4 filings, which are filed by company insiders um, through the SEC. And we follow those uh, and try to make a profit. And the very first insider trading scandal, um, you know, this was illegal uh, in the U.S. was in 1906. And this is when directors of the Union Pacific Railroad were accused of uh, delaying an announcement of a dividend increase in the stock so that they could purchase shares before uh, they increased the dividend and thought that the share price would increase. Is that something that was that something that kind of like was the impetus of us creating these laws where they have to file these form fours and go through all this paperwork or it it, it was the first time that people really saw you know corruption in in the markets. yeah, so. Um, people thought it was unfair. So yeah, luckily today, um, insiders can still trade on information, but the only difference is that they have to report their trades. Gotcha. And so basically you're kind of like trying to find a way to like even the playing field, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and cause it gives everyday investors like, you know, me and my readers, um, a chance to see what they're buying and what information that they're that they have that they're not disclosing. Have you noticed like any different like any kind of patterns in insider trading over the last like couple of years? Is it um, 
is are we seeing more insider trading or is it just that the public is paying a little bit more attention to it? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think it's pretty much the same, um, but it is coming to prominence, especially um, through congressional insider trading. Um, people are just kind of seeing that now and they didn't really understand it before. And now they're seeing like, oh, people are actually making millions of dollars and they're trading on information uh, that we don't have. So, so what exactly are you looking for um, when you're looking for insider trading? Are you looking for sells? Are you looking for buys? Are you looking for like a specific group of people who are, who are purchasing or? Yeah, I, I like looking at the CEOs, the CFOs, and the COOs of companies. Um, anybody who's in the C-suite, uh, you can pretty much guarantee that they they're in all the board meetings, they have all the information, they know what's coming up, they know that there might be announcement announcements around the corner that could send the, the stock up. Now, we don't know why they would sell um, necessarily, so we don't really pay attention to that as much, but yeah, I've you heard, can totally look at that. And I've heard, I don't know what the exact quote is, but I guess it's like there's, there's pretty much one reason why someone's going to like an insider is going to buy and there's a million different reasons why someone would sell. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe someone just needs to like, I don't know, they need a down payment for their, for their new condo in, in Florida yeah. or something like that. Their new yacht. Yeah. Um, all right. So we have this, you have this kind of theme of like getting back at the, getting back on the insiders or at least like, you know, I guess maybe evening the playing field. And I think one way that investors are trying to do that outside of maybe tracking insider trades is they're messing with uh, meme stocks mm. and they're trying to like c combat uh, people who are shorting stocks. Um, I know that you've written some articles about this uh, recently and you've, you've warned against this kind of method of, of investing. You think that it's dangerous. Um, what are some big meme stocks right now? Um, and then, should investors be touching those at all or, or, you know, should they just be staying away from them completely? I mean, so, so the meme stocks that, that are, you know, the classic meme stock examples are like Virgin Galactic, GameStop, AMC, Bed Bath & Beyond, and even like Tesla. Um, and basically the meme stock party, it happens when, People are on Reddit channels or, or something like um, Stockwits is another website where people. Stockwits or Stock is stock Twits? Is it Stockwits? I think Stockwits, okay. yeah. Um, I'm just seeing people like it's, it's basically a forum where people are just saying like, oh, buy, buy, buy. I'm going to buy it right now. Like, oh, hold, it's going to $5. But it's not based on anything. They're just literally pumping and dumping. Yeah. And. I, the danger is that you, if you follow that and you're too late, yeah. then you're just going to be holding the bag. So I think that's why it's dangerous. Um, you know, it's it's like... And the I, companies also kind of suck too, right? Like, this is what I don't get <laughs> is that like, there's, the people get so like excited about, you know, they're fighting the man. And I feel like they get caught on this kind of like trap yeah. that they're being this like rebel or activist investor when really you're just like, putting your money into a company that is clearly failing. Like, you know, right. GameStop, I don't see how the GameStop model works long term. Exactly. Or, and Bed Bath & Beyond, like, said that they were 
de- or on the verge of declaring bankruptcy. Yeah. So why would you buy that exactly just to make a quick buck? Which th- that's the only reason I can see to, to do that. Um, and it's I mean it's kind of like gambling at that point. You're just trying to get lucky, and then I, I mean maybe they believe in the company, but I think it's mostly great, greater fool theory. And yeah, sure. And then people end up getting kind of they 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 definitely end up screwing themselves. They do, um, especially if. Uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day and somebody called in and said that they were, you know, they got into the market through GameStop and AMC. Uh, they made a lot of money. I think they, they put like, um, I think they put 60,000 in the market and it went up to like 120 and then they started playing options and then lost it all and then took out a loan to try to um, get the money back and then they lost all of that. So it's it's super risky. Yeah. Um, so you're you're generally not recommending anything that like I mean, are you following these forums and trying to catch any of that activity, or you're you're just kind of staying away and you're mainly looking at what the sm- like the so-called smart money is doing? Because I think if yeah. you were to define the dumb money, it would probably be the the people that are buying in these you know buying into these meme stocks. I've I've totally like looked at those forums and with my own personal money, it's never. Uh, it's always too late. It's like you see it and you're like, mm, okay, like maybe this is going to run a little bit. And then it's, it's not, they're just selling and probably selling short as well. Like, even though they tell you that like, oh, we're, we're burning the shorts here. Like they're going to lose all their money on the back end. I mean, how could you not be shorting it at that point? Yeah. So is it's this, just, it's risky. It, so I feel like there was like a, people were talking about meme stocks for a while and they were going crazy. And then they ended up losing all their money, and there was it, like crickets. And now we're kind of seeing this like resurgence. Is is this like a last gasp that we're seeing, maybe, or is there something else that's happening? Like, is this is just the new normal where we're going to start seeing these like occasional waves of people like you know buying these meme stocks? Yeah, I don't know, man. The I didn't expect the Bed Bath and Beyond at all. I mean, did you see it recently? Like how it, I saw it moving. Like I, I was, I was like reading it and there was like some, just all the news was bad. And then, but then people are, but then the stock is coming up and I'm yeah, just like, just this, popped. it just seems like a good short opportunity, but I also don't want to like mess with people that are, you know, actively manipulating the stock. Yeah. I, I just, I don't see in the long term that this is going to be a trend. I, I feel like it's got to be just a short term, like they have to like, run out of money eventually. Yeah, I mean, last year was was bad on the whole for the markets, and they they probably just wanted to come out like swinging for the year, and they they got their little bump. But, um, I, I mean, obviously now all of them are down, I, I believe. So, well, it's it's definitely some. I, I think that it's very cultish behavior, uh, and you know, on the on the topic of cults, we have uh, let's switch the conversation to Elon Musk. You recently wrote an article about uh, some some selling that he's doing some insider selling at tesla uh how much is he you said he was selling billions you know how much exactly or yeah um and he's done he's done this in the past um but the most recent sale was three billion five hundred eighty one million sixty five thousand five hundred eighty nine dollars so nice to have that money in there in the first place um and in the short term, obviously, that's not good for the stock. It, it's dropped 15% since that sale. I think that was in December. Um, but 
I, I believe he sold it to fund his Twitter purchase. So I, I don't think he was selling that as any um, indication of like a long-term trend sure. for the stock. I was, I was going to ask you about that um, and then maybe just kind of in the – maybe your thoughts on the, the EV industry in general. Are you seeing any other like insider selling or, or buying in the insider um, – in the EV industry? Because um, I know that there's like a lot of – it's kind of a lot of, uh, I guess – headwinds that they're going to be running into with, uh, you know, like a lot of lithium crunch. And I know that uh, Tesla just dumped, a, they dropped a lot of the prices on their cars. So there's kind of going to be this pricing war. Um, yeah. yeah. E- EVs are, are complicated now, aren't they? Um, at first, you know, everybody was, was loving them. And now it, it's just, it doesn't seem like the right place to put your money. Um I think reality starts to set in like, you know, it's typical hype cycle. People get really excited about something uh, and then kind of the reality sets in that, well, shit, these are actually like uh, they might not be as green as we thought they were. They're also extremely expensive to make. Um, And, you know, it's I feel like people also get caught into this. Again, it's almost like this activist trap where they think that they're doing something that's you know, they're supporting something that's that's good for the world and good for the economy. But then we realize that, like, everyone's mining cobalt with slave labor. <laughs> I know it's 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 nuts. Yeah, the precious metals is 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 a real thing, and people don't realize until you like show them, and they're like, oh right, like the end of the supply chain is actually uh, terrible for human beings. Um, so yeah, I Now Tesla did say that they were moving away from using cobalt in uh, some percentage of their batteries. Sure. They're moving away from it. Um but I don't know. Do they um, is that do you know if that's a replacement or it's just like they're reducing the amount? Do you know anything about the technical tech like uh technology side of that? I'm not sure. I'm I'm pretty sure that they're replacing it. Like they're they're eliminating it yeah. from their batteries. Um but EVs in general, um, I know that there are other forms of EVs. Like, I really like um, the prospect of electric airplanes. I know that's kind of like a far-fetched idea. But there was, you know, one company that I follow, there has been a lot of um, insider buying and insider selling in there. So um, that company's Archer Aviation. I I just think it's such a cool idea. I mean, I know you you got back from, uh, you know, a flight, or you said your flight was messed up. You couldn't get the the connection. And I mean, these guys will fly in, vertical like they. It's an, called an EV Tulsa uh, electronic vertical takeoff and landing. Yeah. They'll come in, pick you up, take you out, and go to your next destination, like are from the, the airport. Are these like private flights for the ultra rich? I, I would assume. And there are there more. I think right d- now. Yeah. 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 But um, maybe one day we get some kind of fusion-powered uh, EV and EV, flying EV, and you could just—I don't know—take a trip over to to Europe. Yeah, that would be that would be ideal. Um, okay, so you recently wrote about some of your top stock picks for 2023. Um, one thing that you that I pulled from that article is that uh, you were talking about uh, psilocybin stocks. Are, are we seeing any kind of insider activity there, or is that kind of just an industry that you are? bullish on because of 
the the merits of the of the you know pharmaceutical tech. There there has been uh, insider buying in two companies, uh, ATAI Life Sciences and Silo Pharma. Um, for Silo Pharma, the CEO and president um, bought four different times in December. Okay, that's promising. Um, yeah, uh, he didn't really buy that much. Yeah, um, it looks like you know two thousand dollars worth, but still, you know, it's something he's he's putting money back into his company. Um, for ATAI, there was a ten percent owner, institutional investor, um, Aperion Investment Group that bought. Um, significantly more, so maybe they have an announcement coming up. I'm I'm not sure, um, but I think it's a good sign, maybe for the industry as a whole, that insiders are starting to kind of get behind it, and um, it's so no longer taboo, I guess. So when you see that kind of buying activity, are you like immediately blindly going out and buying a stock, or that's kind of just like an indicator for you to dig in a little bit further? Yeah, that's just a. For this especially, because it's only, for each stock, it was only one group who bought, I I wouldn't necessarily go out and, and buy it right away. Yeah. So um, you've we've talked about cluster buying before. Um, could you kind of expand on that idea? Yeah. Cluster buying is something in the industry that refers to, I believe it's three or more insiders and typically C-suite execs um, purchasing stock around the same price for uh, and around the same time. Okay. So that really shows you like, hey, maybe they just had a board meeting and maybe they all just decided to buy shares um, or something. Or something's, go- something's going on. And yeah. I guess, yeah, it makes sense. If, if, mul- if one person's buying, they might have their own reasons. They might, you know, just be stupid. Uh, <laughs> or, or, but if you have three people buying, there's probably something going on in the, in the company that, that is, you know, Probably is positive. Yeah, so that that makes sense. Um, all right, any psilocybin socks that you like other than the uh, the two that, that we mentioned, or are those kind of? Um, I've gotten boned on, on same. On I got boned on MindMed, MindMed, uh, which Cybin. I which, which I bought like way back, and it was kind of I didn't like put a lot of money in it. It was yeah. it was one of those like you know lottery picks, um, but. That's what it feels like. There, there's also Cybin. Um, I, I really, th- if you are investing in these companies, you got to look five, ten. I mean, maybe even longer, like years out. Yeah. So, um, I don't think that this is going to happen overnight. And, but it, it's a cool idea, and it's something that if we see a run up like we did with pot stocks, um, what was that like four years ago, three or four years ago? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, an interesting I, idea. I do think a lot of people are expecting a, a similar kind of like recreational boom. Um, so I, I, I was telling you earlier, I, I just went up to, to uh, the Pacific Northwest. I was in uh, Washington. I was in Oregon. And I knew that like Oregon had passed some sort of like recreational uh, usage or of, of psilocybin. And uh, I thought I was just going to be able to go there and like buy mushrooms like in the store. Um, and I was, I was, I was going to do it. And, but I realized that you have to like, they, apparently they opened a bunch of like illegal mushroom shops and they all got shut down because Mm. you have to like take it in the presence of like a person who like, they like you go in and they like ask you questions and like, it's like an actual like appointment, which seems like a really like, I don't know, (laughs) way to, good way to kill your, uh, kill Kill your, kill your trip. (laughs) 
and they like need to like they I guess they like want to make sure that you have like arrangements to get home after you take it and okay so it's well, just maybe they could do that at bars with people drinking alcohol yeah but it was I guess it was just a shock to me because I was assuming that it was becoming more like oh yeah just like like you could walk into the weed store like the you know these in most states these days and just get some recreational marijuana and you can't really do that with the like even in the, the state that they have approved it for right for psilocybin which I guess is you know it's probably a good idea to not yeah, just be I mean, <laughs> having people tripping balls on the street all, all day probably good for you know uh, people's productivity <laughs> to not do that but um, but yeah I mean there are a lot of like encouraging encouraging studies out there now about um, th- for treating treatments of depression and um, yeah I mean I believe I believe in it as as a as a actual like you know uh, therapeutic treatment I, th- I think there's definitely some promise there um, but as far as like the rec- like will it ever be as big as marijuana are people going to be consuming uh, you know massive amounts of mushrooms like that you know someone could smoke a you know people are smoking a blunt a day and you know spread out over time they're buying a ton of weed like mm-hmm. are people going to be buying a ton of mushrooms or is exactly it- yeah because it, I, in all the the clinical studies or whatever it's usually like a they do it once and then that's they're like, oh, that's I get it, yeah. it now. And, like, I don't have to do that again. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that is a really good point. Um, you just have to, f- you know, figure out some sort of where that where they're getting the money from um, and if sales are going to increase. So, uh, yeah, I would say recreational is not, not on the horizon. All right, let's hit on some more instances of insider buying. You recently wrote an article and you mentioned uh, three companies. You mentioned uh, Carvana. Um, Immersion and um, Summit Therapeutics, mm-hmm. and I guess you were you're, you weren't really like saying that these you know there's active insider buying. You were kind of using these three companies as uh, examples of how people uh, how insider activity can indicate movement. Uh, could you walk us through each one of those? Maybe starting with Carvana. I think you use this as an example of how insiders can be wrong. Yeah. Well, or so, at least temporarily. So insiders were buying shares at around seven dollars um and and carvana is what now at like five bucks like i, I haven't checked dude, i don't i don't know i mean five it cra- or six maybe it crashed almost like two it was like around two like i was looking at it so yeah it it had a it had a pop and then I, and then people sold it i mean that's just like it's what people are doing and, and especially because used car prices are on the downtrend um they're down I think they dropped 10% last year. Yeah. And they just sold a bunch of loans recently too, right? I was reading. Carvana? Yeah. I, th- I think that's right. Yeah. I was reading um, something about the they were trying to do like a poison pill, limiting, limiting shareholder control because they don't want, you know, activist investors to take over. Yeah. I mean, Carvana, I, I've seen, have you ever seen one of their like vending machines? I have. Well, not in person, but I've, you know, I've seen pictures and I, I was reading something recently like they, I guess they put one up in... I don't know where they put it up, but they they had someone took a picture of it, and it's like completely, it's still completely empty. Yeah, yeah. And I guess they're like trying to permit it, and to, I don't personally see the like appeal of like if you're buying a car, that's a huge decision. Like, I don't want to buy it out of a fucking vending machine. I want to like to talk to somebody, or I want to test drive it, or got a test like, drive. Yeah. And I guess I guess you would take it. I guess you can take it for a test drive out of the vending machine, but it just seems like a weird. Like just a gimmick. It does, like especially even if you go to a, a car dealer, like 
when I was buying my car, um, I wanted to test drive one and they had to like take it out of, it was like the, on the showroom floor Oh yeah. and they had to like open the doors and like drive it out. And I was like, I'm, I, I'm not going to buy this car. I like, but I, <laughs> you just, know, you I know just felt you're... really bad. I was like, oh, I guess I got to drive it now. Yeah. Well, um, I guess there is that like social anxiety of dealing with people at the dealership. Um, and there is something to be said about just buying a, a car at a set price and not having to haggle with people. Um, I think yeah. some people like to haggle. Some people are just like, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with people. I just want to like do the transaction all by myself. I think it's pretty cool that you can just go online and they'll, well, they, they market it as a company that will buy your car and like come pick it up, but they'll only do that in like three States or something. Yeah. It's like New Jersey, Pennsylvania. I, I don't know. It might just be New Jersey. I don't know. But um, once I heard, once I saw that, I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to sell my car to them. So, um, it seems that company might be in trouble. You think that you think they're screwed? I, I, it's hard to say, um, you know, from the insider buying, they, if, yeah, that's, so that's, I guess that's a question. It's like, you know, how, how much, uh, merit are we putting in the insider buying? Cause maybe it's like, you know, the insiders know that everything's going to be all right, in the long term and the company's just getting beaten down because they kind of got hit with a bunch of, you know, bad news. Also just really bad timing with the way the stock market was going and that, that Carvana kind of was like a meme stock at some point. Yeah. Um, so it kind of suffers from, from a lot of people just trying to dump those shares. Mm -hmm. I own some shares of Carvana. I'll admit it. <laughs> uh oh. What about, what about immersion? Um, so immersion core is, was a company that I, I liked. Um, they, they, they're a haptic feedback company. Yeah. So like touch screens, um, obviously yeah. that that's like virtual reality. Yeah. So like when you touch your, if, if you're using like a, an Xbox controller and it's buzzing back at you, that, that was, that's immersion tech. If your phone, when you touch your phone and it buzzes, that's immersion tech. Right. Um, so I, I found that last year, um, uh, insiders did buy a lot of shares. You had the chief strategy officer, um, the executive chair, um, the CFO as well. So what you're looking at here is just a, this is like, like a consolidated list mm -hmm. of, uh, it's a record of all the insider buying that has gone on at the company. Yeah. And everything's available on, on the SEC website and um, you can kind of, you know, filter it how you want it for yourself. Um, sure. But most people don't really have the time to do that, obviously. And that's kind it, of, that's kind of your role exactly. is to, to filter through that information because there's, you know, I, I can, you can even imagine how many pages of this stuff there are on the public markets on a, on a daily basis. Right. Um, it, you know, it's definitely, it's a time consuming task to just go in and then not only just to see what it is, but to kind of think a little further down the road and, um, see what is actually going on behind behind these uh, trades. So um, I liked that they were buying shares. And I, I, I really do like VR, AR um, companies. Um, I think that's going to be around for, you know, in the long term. Yeah, so it's not going anywhere, that's for sure. Um, and then what was the other one? Summit Therapeutics? Summit Therapeutics, yeah. yeah. Um, that's a... It was a cancer research company. Um, so they had 
So yeah, they, they work on um, infectious diseases, um, but they also had a cancer drug that was like awaiting. Um, they had an antibody that was awaiting uh, commercialization. So they bought. Um, we had the CEO and the co-CEO and president, and then the CFO buy shares all on the same day for 97 cents a share. So all the same amount. Um, it's wild to me that that is legal because clearly they're clearly they are operating off of some, you know, insider information. Like they know yeah. for sure it's going to be approved and then they're all buying on the same day. And it's like, okay, it's, it's cool. Cause we disclosed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, that's the rub. Like that's the, that's the whole, uh, you know, that's the big picture that that's, that happens all the time. And so I think that it's trading for like $4 a share now. Um, and after the, the licensing agreement was announced, it, you know, shot up. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you notice, um, a trend with, uh, pharma stocks or anything like that? Because I would like, my guess is that that is definitely a, a sector or an industry where insider trading is looking at that information would be super via, like, like very important to, to look at that information because these people know, they know what the trial data looks like beforehand. They know what, uh, you know, they, they're talking to the regulators. They have an idea of these like really critical approvals and data releases mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, you're, you're not really going to get that insight, uh, anywhere else. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really good point. Um, and typically that industry, you know, biopharmaceutical, biotech, it's super volatile. So if you're able to pinpoint uh, when you need to buy, I, I think that is super useful. All right. So these, um, I, I guess I want to talk a little bit about accountability uh, for, for these traders. Um, I, I have two kind of like opposing uh news stories that, that came out over the last week or two. Um, one of them is a guy, Nikhil Wahi. Wahi, I'm definitely mispronouncing this guy's name. But he was sentenced to uh, 10 months in, in prison for uh, for trading using um, uh, insider trading crypto. And this was kind of like a, like a landmark uh, case. The guy the guy was sentenced to prison. Was this uh, the Coinbase one? Yes, I believe okay. so. And uh, I could be wrong, but I, I believe that's the case. Uh, and then the other one was that the SEC uh, ended an in, in, uh, insider probe of, uh, of ex-Senator uh, Richard Burr and his brother-in-law. So is there some sort of, and, you know, obviously these are just two, two examples, but is there something going on where, you know, the, the, they're more likely to, to go after some, like, random crypto bro than they are, like, a senator or a, a CEO and, like, the game is still kind of rigged? even though some people are getting charged. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to defend the guy who, who, who was, you know, tr yeah. trading off the, the, the misinformation with crypto, but uh, it, you know, maybe this is more of a statement than a question. I just feel like yeah. it, it would be nice to see, uh, you know, these, these, some of these bigwigs get, you know, get called out or, you know, actually, you know, you know, be punished for this stuff. Or, some, or, some sort of you know, accountability. Exactly. Yeah, I think the if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, the Coinbase one, he was trading. He was getting information on on tokens or coins that were about to be listed. Okay, and then he uh, bought them ahead of time, and I mean it makes you wonder like are 
are is crypto and on our tokens like the same thing as stocks yeah so like why would that apply to this yeah um well there's yeah i guess they're secure they, i guess they do classify secu- them as securities securities yeah I, but it's like are it, they though but it's also i mean what how is that much it doesn't seem that different from if someone were to buy private shares which is like what they you know if you're only allowed to buy private shares of certain companies if you make a certain amount of money or if you have a right. certain amount of money and you know they'll let guys like you know Bezos and Musk and whoever get in on those private shares early bef- before they go public, and then they go public and everyone's buying them at a at a higher price. Yeah. So I feel like it's just like we're playing with like kind of like semantics semantics here, and really, you know, the people that are getting in early are always you know always the ones who are gonna gonna profit. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent you know up to date with the case, but. Um, I don't know when that occurred, that when he was doing that. So I feel like it, it must have happened when uh, the government already said that, yes, crypto are, is the security or whatever. Yep. So that, that's why they punished him. Um, and basically, the, the rule is there, so it's it keeps everything fair. So I guess if they, if they see that it's if that's clearly something unfair that you're doing, then... Um, yeah, I guess you're going to go to jail. <laughs> so uh, last time we were on here, we were, I think there was a lot of like actual like congressional activity that was going on. They were trying to pass some like insider trading uh, ban or um, I guess they were, I guess they were trying to ban, you know, people in Congress from trading at all. And mm-hmm. there, Nancy Pelosi was like everywhere in the in the media. And I feel like that's really calmed down uh, lately. Yeah. Is there is that just like is that over with? Do people is the story done with? Are is there going to be any more push to to ban trading in Congress or? So Nancy Pelosi's not she's out right. She's no longer the Speaker of the House. Yeah. So wait, is that I honestly I don't I don't freaking know, dude. I've been I've been plugged from politics like just so hard lately. I just I'm just so tired of. Of, I just am like focus on the finance and the business and stuff. Yeah, so I guess yeah. there is some relation, but like I don't. I'm so tired of the the bickering. I'm tired of it as well. Um, I I believe that she's no longer Speaker of the House. Um, but is and, she in there at all? Well, that's what I'm. I don't know because um, I found an article that said that Nancy Pelosi sold like a hundred thousand dollars worth of Roblox stock. So it's fucking hilarious <laughs> that she's buying Roblox. Like, like she doesn't know shit about Roblox. Um, so I don't know if that was actually her or like before if that if that was her husband. Because um, when she was Speaker of the House, she couldn't trade. Um, yeah. Herself, she had to. Go, her husband did it, and she had to disclose it. Um, well, she was definitely like a one that was. She was one that was kind of putting a kibosh on the the band. So maybe with her, you know her aging out of out of uh her longtime role maybe we will see some sort of a ban yeah it's possible i think it's it's popular in congress um well is it popular is it actually popular in congress or is it popular with the constituents yeah i you know never say never but (laughs) they're probably not going to do anything about it (laughs) Okay. Um, let's uh, before we before we uh, you know close this out. Uh, it's it's still January. It's the beginning of the year. Um, 
maybe uh, the CPI data recently came out. I know you've kind of been following that because, you know, part of your premise isn't just following these, like, you know, it's not just corporate insiders. You're just looking for, like, all the people who are in the know and all the powerful people who are controlling the money. And one of the things that you, you're, you're looking at is, is the, the Fed data and this, the CPI numbers that they're obviously closely monitoring right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you comment a little bit on the recent CPI data came out, that, that came out and then maybe what do we expect the, the Fed to do in February? Yeah, um, but, well, so basically all of the numbers that have come out are in line with expectations. Yeah, um, minus a point, you know, a fraction of a percentage, essentially, right? Yeah, I, I think the um, the CPI data was in line. Um, the PPI was lower um, by like 0.4% or um, I don't know the actual number. Um, but, or I think the, an, the analyst said it was negative 0.1 and then it was down 0.5. So difference of, of you know, fractions. Um, but every time that the Fed has taken an action, you know, raised rates, he literally is telling us beforehand, like, what, what he's doing. So, I, again, this entire time that they've been raising rates, uh, you know, we've been expecting it. Um, they said it they, they were raising rates by three quarters. They did that all through last year. And then uh, to start the year, they raised it by 0.5%, right, the interest rate. And then they said they're going to raise it by 0.25% now. So they're slowly decreasing the rate. Um, and we've known this for like a year. Yeah. Because they have a – the Fed publishes a dot plot and it shows you exactly what they're going to do. So I don't know. I don't know why people are making such a big deal about it when they actually raise rates because we already know it's coming. Yeah. So well, to I, me, I feel like it should be priced into the market, but it's obviously not because people are just selling whenever they hear like, oh, the Fed's going to raise again. It's like, oh, sell all of my stocks. Like, Yeah. Well, I think they're hoping – people are generally hoping for some kind of like pivot um, or at least like they're looking for like – they're trying to read between the lines when they – when you know, when Powell gets up and, and says some stuff. Um and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that the like, I feel like the Fed's just been kind of like misreading the data and being like really slow on stuff sometimes. And uh, obviously, there's kind of this balancing act between, you know, they don't want to throw us into a recession, but they also don't want to, uh, you know, you don't want, you don't want inflation to go out of control. Yeah, I mean, and the inflation has, in the numbers at least in the CPI data, that it has come down, um, which you know, Wall Street likes. Yeah. <clears throat> but I, I think today it was the um, labor market is still super strong, like mm-hmm. stronger than expected. So um, that conversely is is not a good thing because uh, that means that they'll have to continue to raise rates. Yeah. Um, for the year, um, they, you know, he said that Jerome Powell has said that he's not going to deviate not going to deviate. Yeah. So that's what we're looking at. That seems to be his his MO is that he's like, we're going to do what we're going to do. And we're going to, you know, we're not going to take any single month worth of data and right. be like overly reactionary to it, which, you know, in some sense, I feel like is a good thing. And in another sense, I feel like they're screwing the pooch here because they're really just uh, like they're reacting so slow. And it's like, I don't know, I just feel like we're you know, not not taking the actions that we that we need to, um, and they're just looking at the hard data, and a lot of that data is a lot of that data is late too. Like the rent data comes in 
what, like a couple months after. Mm-hmm. Yep. Always the, at least the previous month. So, so what's 2023 look like in, in for the, for the stock market and for the economy uh, is, has the, has the stock market already priced, have we already priced a recession in and have we already priced a recession in and, you know, we're kind of like almost out of the, out of the woods in the stocks, but the, the economy is going to get hit or are both, are we going to get hit with a recession and stocks are also going to continue to crash? Well, I, I had thought that we were already in a recession. Um, yeah, they did a really good job of redefining recession and kind of like gaslighting everybody into <laughs> to thinking that we are not in a recession. Um, yeah, so I, I guess my thesis last year was that by the end of the summer last year that it would be better. And so obviously wasn't right about that. Um, but that's because I think that the the semantics of calling it a recession have kind of confused everybody and it's kind of confused the market. So I think that's why it's not getting priced in accurately. Um, and, the, you know, I think I would just follow what the Fed has said that they're going to do. I wouldn't predict that they're going to do anything different. Um, if people keep overreacting to the rate hikes, then we could see it going down. But once people realize that um, the American economy is actually really strong and you don't really want to bet against America. Yeah. Um, I forget who said that. That's a maybe like a Buffett quote or something. Sure. That don't bet against America. But um, I think that people are going to realize that stocks are on sale and they keep going on sale and especially for your dividend plays if you're a dividend investor you know this just gives you an opportunity to get in lower lower your price average and the only thing that you can do i mean what are you going to do pull out all your money it's like that seems like a terrible idea um it is definitely i think a reaction that a lot of people have is they get afraid and i would i'd be very hesitant to, to pull anything out of the market right now um, yeah, I mean, unless you're like, like obviously with any risk, if you have more risky plays, set a trailing stop and don't go below that. If, if you hit it, then it sells automatically and you're fine. Like, just don't react the way most people are reacting because that's how you will follow the herd and you don't want to get caught in that um, herd mentality. All right. So you have any uh, parting advice for, for investors who are trying to kind of, you know, make good trades this year and, and follow some of that, that insider uh, trading activity and momentum to their, to their benefit? Yeah, I would just make sure to follow, um, follow the big guys, Buffett, Munger. Um, I would even, I would keep looking at Pelosi too, because they, those people seem to know um, what the good deals are. And if you follow them, um, just, you know, just be careful and, <laughs> of your risk. Yeah. And well, speaking of people to follow, you kind of have like a, you have like a targeted list of, uh, not just these like kind of big well-known names, but you have kind of like more obscure people who manage other people's money. Um, I forget like what you, what you called these, these people. Um, but you basically, like, you basically like. I mean, you were telling me uh, about 
there's like a bunch of there's like I guess a group of traders who will I don't know uh, they're like money managers, and you can follow what they're doing. Yeah, the the money managers of the of the super wealthy, like um, the people who manage uh, Bill Gates' money, um, even the people who manage, uh, you know. Uh, um, I'm drawing a blank, but um, basically, if you look to the money, the, the actual money managers, um, they can be good people to follow as well. That makes sense. All right. Um, any plugs? Yeah, you can you can check out my service. Um, you can follow the YouTube channel as well. Um, my service is Insider Stakeout, and we are following the insiders and following the smart money and don't follow the dumb money. Okay. On YouTube, uh, Insider Insider Baseball. What's the what's Inside the prem- baseball. what's yeah? What's the premise? What's the premise? It's our other. We have a. It's it's another series that we have on this channel. Yeah, I I just do a, a goofy little uh, um, short video every week, and where I go over the top insider trades that I'm looking at. So that's uh, you can find me on there on the. On Is there the like YouTube's. a set day that those come out? It comes out on Friday every Friday. Okay. Cool. And you're in the Discord channel, right? Oh, yeah. So um, this is the first we've mentioned the Discord channel on the show, but we're going to start dropping some links and, tr- and trying to build that community up a little bit. Um, essentially give give uh, give our audience and readers uh, kind of access to, uh, you know, our, our designated experts and the people who are just, you know, spend every working hour of their life, you know, digging into stocks and, and things like that. So we've got Alex on there. We've got other people as well. Um, what's your handle on there? The inside job. The inside job. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I actually really like the Discord channel. I think people uh, get a lot of good information there. Cool. So. Well, we can uh, we'll drop a link and then people can uh, maybe ch- chit chat with you in there and uh, yeah. find out whatever they need to know about the uh, recent insider trading that's going on. Uh, Alex Bolden with Insider Stakeout, and uh, thanks everybody for uh, listening to the show. See you next time.